This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the 12th Man Rising Podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Kevin Daggett and Lee Vowell. And thanks for listening to the 12th Man Rising uh, Podcast. I'm Lee, and with me, of course, is the star of the show, Kevin. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, Lee. How about yourself? Can't complain too much. So you're happy with what the Seahawks have done over the last week? I. Uh, I actually am. I think uh, right after we recorded this last week, um, big number 43 got signed. (laughs) Yeah, I laugh when you said that because I'm like, what's going to happen as soon as we say end on the show? Because it's like, it seems like the last couple of weeks we've done this, it's uh, like something's happened. So it's Wednesday and Tuesday when we're recording this. So Tuesday seems to be the day, but yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering. Oh, Richard Sherman is coming back, and they've they've not. We've waited till Kevin and Lee were done with their podcast and make them look like idiots once again, so we could make this huge signing. <laughs> Be like those guys yeah. are so out of it. Um, well, yeah, they so, just signed, they just signed Lockett before the show, so they, they did, they did. Uh, uh, thankfully, we get to talk about that. Um, and, and and let's go ahead and jump into it because, uh, you know, the I've seen I tweeted it out from Twelfth Man Rising as far as. Um, Tyler Lockett being extended, right? For four years, 69 million. I think 37 of it is guaranteed or whatever, which is less than 10 million. But this guy, first of all, to me, Tyler Lockett epitomizes what it means to be a Seahawk. He needs to be a Seahawk for life. If he retires when he's 33 or 34, obviously he's going to lose some some of that quickness he has probably. Although he has you know, fewer targets because Metcalf and whoever else they sign will be taking it away from him. So I think he can be, I think he's smart enough to be a good receiver, uh, into, you know, his early mid thirties or whatever. But I, I like this. I mean, cause they talked about, Oh, we're going to, maybe we'll trade Tyler Lockett to the dolphins and blah, 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 blah. This off season. That was people were talking about that anyway. I think it's a great signing. I love having Lockett. I, to me, if I'm DK Metcalf, I watched that Lockett signing being extended and I'm thinking, this is where I want to be after my rookie contract ends because I'm going to be playing next to this guy and taking some 
some onus off of me and I'm going to be more productive. Maybe I'm wrong there though. I don't know. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. I, I, he is, he's a great Seahawk. He's a great teammate. I mean, I would assume, I mean, I don't hear much, any problems with him. Um, he is a clutch receiver. Um, he's small and you know, he gets hit, he gets hit pretty good sometimes, but he knows how to, how to get out of bounds. He knows how to not get hit, you know, at times. So, you know, his, his longevity is, is, uh, pretty good but yeah i mean it's a great it's a great sign he hasn't lost a step yet um but the big thing for me is is he just he catches the ball when they need him to you know i mean he misses a few but when they need him to he catches it i love it yeah i think he's like the next incarnation from doug baldwin to tyler lockett that's that's what we have right not as angry but yeah (laughs) not as angry yeah i actually I mean, Doug seems like a good dude. I don't know him personally, obviously, but he seems like a good dude. But so does Tyler. And Lockett seems to have the complete 180 of a of a, of how he um, controls himself off the field. Not that Doug's a bad guy, but he obviously voices his opinion. And Tyler is like, the, like this quiet guy. You know, you don't really hear anything from him. And he seems like to be a great teammate. And And I agree with you. I mean, no offense to Metcalf, who physically is a freak, but if he had Tyler Lockett's hands, that guy would be having 1,800-yard seasons. I mean, the problem with Metcalf is some of the drops he had. Lockett, I remember, was it the playoff game or the Week 17 where he dropped the pass? And it was like, whoa, Lockett dropped a yeah. pass. Like, he, it doesn't happen, just like it didn't happen with Doug Baldwin. He just doesn't drop passes. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and you're right. Yeah. And Metcalf's got to love it too, like you said. But um, yeah, Lockett. I mean, he he makes a catch. He gets up. You know, he maybe does a little first down thing once in a while. But you know, he's not pumping his arms and you know doing the little thing. It's like, hey, I've been here before. First down, let's go. Yeah, so exactly. You know, yeah, he know, might he just, do the little just, punch with his first down kind of thing. That's really all he does. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't make a big show about it. Exactly. He doesn't catch a touchdown pass and then drop the ball like it's some poop in the end zone or anything like that. Although that would be funny <laughs> if he did it, to be honest. That would be kind of funny. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Um, yeah. Because it would be totally anti-locket. And again, nothing against Doug Baldwin. I respect the dude 100% off the field. Um, you know, his views are more in line with me politically probably than yours, but that is what it is. And that doesn't matter when it comes to football. Doug, Lock- or Doug Baldwin could catch the ball as a Seahawk and same thing with Lockett. When you need, as you pointed out, when the guy, when Russell Wilson throws a pass and he needs the ball to be caught, to me, I'm throwing it to Lockett still instead of Metcalf because I know Lockett's going to catch it. Yeah, so. exactly. But uh, the Seahawks also did, they extended out uh, Gabe Jackson yesterday or they reworked the contract. I guess they didn't really extend it out. Um, now it's a three-year deal for $22.57 million. Um, actually cuts back his salary cap hit in 2021 so they saved like five million dollars and kind of reworked it where it's extended out over three years is is russell wilson happier well first of all what do you think about gabe jackson the last couple of years he hasn't been as good as he was in the previous season but is russell wilson really happy with gabe jackson or what they've done with the offensive line overall so far i would hope so i mean they they made some moves they didn't they didn't just say, sorry, dude, we're not listening to you. I mean, they made some moves. And it, 
you know, I think that reworking that deal was mainly about cap space, wasn't it? I mean, it's not, you know, it's just it's to free up space. And you know, he's a he's a good solid uh solid offensive lineman. And you know, if the Raiders are gonna cut bait, geez, might as well pick up some of the good players. Yeah, I'm, I we kind of hit on this last week. I I have I don't care about the Raiders at all, but I just don't understand what their their thought process is as far as because cohesion on an offensive line is extremely important more than any other unit probably in football. And dropping four out of your five starting linemen from the previous year doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, maybe they're looking forward to the future, but the players they've gotten rid of are good players still. Gabe Jackson, he reworked his contract for three years. He should be good for at least three years, if not longer than that. So I, I think Seattle's set there. I think the interior, uh, Ethan Posick, to me, he was okay. He actually was good in the early part of 2020. Then he got hurt, as he always does. And then he came back and he wasn't as good. And it could be maybe he was just trying to work his way back from injury and never got back to that point. But Damian Lewis is going to be a beast, I think, for several years. And then Gabe Jackson, I think those two guards are set in Seattle for at least three years. Depending on how Jackson works um, works out, it could be five years if he, if he does. They'll have to look for a, a different left tackle just because Dwayne Brown, though he's still good, they'll have to find a younger replacement. Brandon Shell's okay, but the interior of the line, if Posick plays closer to what he did early in 2020, I I think that's a good interior. I think I think Wilson should be happier. I think, you know, to be honest, I think that was all kind of overblown as far as what the Russell Wilson stuff was because it was off off season and people were looking stuff to write about, and he himself probably kind of fan the flames for whatever reason. Um, but once the season starts, nobody's going to talk about that stuff, right? Yeah, and he, I mean, you haven't heard much about it lately. And I, I, I would venture to say that Russell Wilson is a little more happy than uh, Derek Carr right now. But um, <laughs> with as far, as far as the offensive line goes. But, yeah, I agree. I think they're, you know, the offensive line is, is, uh, is good. You know, Postick's a serviceable center. You know, they could pick one up in the draft. You know, who knows? There's a lot of, you know, good – good college there's always good college offensive linemen and you know there's you can pick those up middle draft late draft and but i you know that's that's a that's a that's a position that you can you can draft well and and uh you know bring a guy in let him play back up for a little bit and then and then stick him in there so i'm I'm not too concerned about that and we will be right back after this and welcome back. So we're we've talked a little bit about the offensive line. So the defensive line obviously had some some big moves. Carlos Dunlap will actually be coming back for two years as a Seahawk starting next year. He played half a season um, in 2020. was was really good. Didn't wasn't as good late in the year. Maybe he was dealing with a toe injury, but he made a huge difference as far as pass rush and not just him, but how he helped other players. And one of the players he helped, I thought, was Jaron Reed, who seems to need the help to be a productive pass rusher because he wasn't so good when Frank Clark wasn't there, and he was really good when Frank Clark was, and he was much better with Dunlap than he was before Dunlap was there. So the the Seahawks re-signed Dunlap for two years, $16.6 million, and then released Jaron Reed. Uh, at the same time, who ended up signing with the Chiefs. So good good for him because he's going to a good team. I don't have anything against Jaron Reed. But I think what the other things that the Seahawks have done, 
They they brought back Mayola. They've got Dunlap. They signed uh, Kerry Hyder, who I think can play defensive tackle as well as end. Is this defensive line is so much better than where it was at the beginning of last season, going into twenty twenty one, isn't it? Oh, I agree. I, and you know, you're talking about Reed and Dunlap. I, you know, Dunlap is. He's a standalone guy, I guess, you know, would be the, the phrase I would use. And he, he could make things happen. But as you said, Reed needs somebody else there. He's not necessarily a, you know, a, a standalone defensive guy that's going to, you know, get the job. But he needs somebody around him. And, if you know, if I'm, Car- if I'm Carlos Dunlap, you know, playing on that damn Cincinnati team for all those years and getting knocked out in the first round, how excited does that guy have have to be to be able to you know he's now he's two years he played with the Seahawks last year went to the playoffs that got knocked out in the first round again but still <laughs> I mean so it's probably a little deja vu that's why I said listen I want to check out free agency comes back he's got a two year deal and it's a good team I mean he's got a much better chance than he would at Cincinnati um, to make the playoffs and make a deep run in the playoffs now with Adam Hyder. I mean, geez, you're, I agree a hundred percent. It's a lot better uh, defensive line. The whole defense I think is better than it was last year. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think that, you know, LJ Collier probably makes more of a transition to tackle because when, when they drafted him uh, two years ago, you know, it was more like he's going to be in the Michael Bennett mode um, Michael Bennett went undrafted, you know, out of out of college and made himself into a, a great NFL player. And Collier, of course, was a first round draft pick, and and still I think it, it he should have been taken in the second round, but not in the first round. But it is what it is at this point. But I can see him transitioning and playing either end or tackle because I think he can do well. And if they need somebody to play tackle, I think Hyder can do that. Collier can do that. Um, you know, they they. Brought back, we knew they were going to bring back Puna Ford, but we didn't know they were going to actually bring him back and then actually sign him, not as just an unrestricted or a restricted free agent, but actually as a player they signed, almost like a free agent. They gave him a big pay, pay boost, which I think he deserved. They also are bringing in Al Woods. So the, to me, the interior of the line, even though they lost Reed, they need to find a little bit more of a internal pass rush. But if Hyder is able to play tackle and Collier is able to play tackle, Woods and Puna Forder should be able to shut down the run. I mean, the defense struggled at the beginning of, of last year horribly, right? And then by the end of the year, they were they were the better unit between the defense and the offense. They they haven't re-signed KJ Wright yet, and I get the feeling this personal feeling has nothing to do with anything uh, that KJ Wright isn't going to come back because they're going to go with Jordan Brooks, and then. The players that they have at cornerback, you know, are are basically they don't have Shaquille Griffin, who to me was never a number one shutdown corner, but he was a good player. They might need to add another cornerback, Richard Sherman, maybe. But um, the defense is is deep playoff caliber to me. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I I, I love Puna Ford, man. That guy is just. <laughs> He w- he played well last year. I mean, he and he just he did deserve that that pay increase. And I agree that the you know the the interior line is is good. I'd like to see Sherman. I was uh, texting with some buddies today, and and we were kind of kind of going back and forth on you know they clearing that cap space to bring Sherman in. Um, 
I don't know. I hope so. And I, I, you know, I put out a couple um, things. I think they need to sign up. Shrimp wants to play two more years. Bring him in here. Give him a two-year deal. Let him retire as a Seahawk. In my opinion, that's what he needs to do. I don't care about any smack talk that went on last year when he left. That's Richard Sherman. I really don't care. He's a great player. He did great for the Seahawks. He can come back and do great again. And also, he can teach some of these younger guys the position. And I think he'd like to do that. That would help his ego a little bit. Um, I don't know that he needs – you know. He's got a couple injuries. He's got a, got some years on him, so maybe he's not an every down um, quarterback. But you got plenty of other guys. I mean, you got DJ Reed, and you know you got Flowers. You got the. I don't know. I just think that um, if you bring him back, you're pretty much set at quarterback or cornerback. You know, you mentioned the defense being so horrible at the beginning. I don't understand that because, I mean, they were horrible, and then all of a sudden they were good. <laughs> but what happened? I mean, I don't know that there was this major shift in what they did. The personnel wasn't all that different. I mean, what? And then the offense, it was just, it, just, it was a weird season. I mean, it was like one offense good, defense bad, then all of a sudden defense good, offense bad. Wait, what? I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, it didn't make any, didn't really make any sense at all. I, the, it made less sense for the offense to get as bad as they were after they started so well. And, you know, the two, two deep safety thing, which is a theory thrown out, like Russ couldn't adapt to a two deep safety. Well, if he can't adapt to that, then he's not a good quarterback and he is a good quarterback. So it's something else going on there. Um, in the playoff game, we've talked about this before, but not, not using Chris Carson. It was just like they got out of sync somehow and could never fix it. And that's why we have a new offensive coordinator in Seattle. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of with you. It's like, I mean, they brought in Dunlap, but he, and he was good, but that shouldn't make that big of a difference. The other thing was that's that one guy. Yeah, exactly. And Jamal Adams got hurt early and, but even with him early in the season, they were atrocious. It, it just didn't make a lot of sense. Um, but you know, this, I mean, we, we haven't even talked about Daryl Taylor. Maybe he actually plays this season and he's, he's a good player. I mean, they just have so much, it looks like they're looking for depth at, especially defensive line cornerback. Cause they, as you mentioned, they got Reed, they got flowers. They brought in Witherspoon who might, you know, he's got the size to be a good player if he's consistent, but if they brought in one other cornerback, Quentin Dunbar, maybe he'll, he'll be okay. Stay healthy. I, I, I feel like Dunbar like needs a flyer from, from what happened last year. Cause last thing we saw was Buffalo and he had no business being out there cause he was hurt. And it was unfair to the player and really unfair to the team. Maybe he comes back and he's fine. And he's not going to sign the, for that big of a contract. The The safeties are more set because I think Amadi starts probably at nickelback. And then you've got, uh, you know, you've got Adams and you've got Diggs at safety. And the backup is Marquise Blair, who was pretty good as a safety in his rookie season. There's a lot of depth to this defense. Uh, even at linebacker, if they don't bring KJ back, I think Brooks covers so much ground, and you've still got like Cody Barton and other players. Could be Bobby Wagner's last year just because he's cost so much. But, you know, we, we harped a bunch on Ken Norton Jr. being really bad. <laughs> and then at the end of the year, it was like, you st- I, I still kind of wanted to say, well, he's still not a good coach, you know, but then the defense, the defense carried that team in the last third of the season, right? 
I mean, even in the playoff game, yeah, they gave up, well, they gave up 23 points because they didn't really give up 30 because Russ threw that beautiful pass to the Rams cornerback who ran it back for a touchdown. The defense, even in that game, played well enough to win. They didn't play great. They gave up some some not good throws to Jared Goff, but but we'll, we'll harp a little bit more on this right after we're back from this break. And, and we're back. So we, we've talked enough defense. So I, I was listening to the 710 ESPN Seattle earlier this week, last week. I can't remember. Days are all running together. And they kind of had a breakdown of the Seahawks offense versus the rest of the NFC West. And I, I really want to get your take on this. Because ideally, you know, the Seahawks have the best quarterback, maybe the best running back, maybe the best tandem of receivers. But do you feel like they're the best offense in the NFC? Like, for instance... If Kyle Shanahan, no offense to Shane Waldron, we don't know what he's going to do, but if Kyle Shanahan had this, these collective players on offense that the Seahawks do, and or Sean McVay did, I feel like the Seahawks would be a much better offense. But because of those two coaches coaching elsewhere in the NFC West, do you still feel like Seattle has the best offense in the division? Uh, I'd like to say they do, and and it, you know, it's interesting you mentioned those other coaches. I, you know they're they're a lot younger, and I think they're they'll take a lot more chances than Pete Carroll will with an offense. Like if they, if they did have the personnel that we have, I think you'd see a different, um, you know, a, a different, a less predictable offense than than what the Seahawks have. And yeah, you know, I don't, I don't. The game is, it's moving on. You know, I mean, Pete Carroll's been around a while, and the the games, the game's changing. Um, you know, the Seahawks had a pretty vanilla offense last year. There wasn't a lot of uh, – it just – it was very predictable in my opinion. Um, as far as being the best offense, I guess on paper they do. Um, <laughs> we'll see. I don't know what I, – I just I don't understand the um, – and I guess, you know, fine because if they want to do it, but the, the um, 49ers stepping up to, to take a quarterback at number three, I mean – you know, I've, I've listened to different shows and they've gone through what quarterback at one, two, and three has ever been any good in the last <laughs> few years. And well, Kyler Murray is about it. And I guess you could make a case for, um, you know, Baker Mayfield's done all right, but you got Mariota, Darnold, um, you know, some of these other, uh, it's, uh, or what Blake Bortles, it's like, okay, knock yourself <laughs> out at number three, go ahead and take, take a guy. Yeah. You're not really going to scare me. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously they're not convinced that they have the best offensive, uh, personnel if they're going to do that. Uh, McVeigh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a different, uh, different show down there in, in, uh, at the Rams with the new QB. So we'll see. Yeah. And the, the Cardinals, Cardinals are weird because they've made some off season moves where it's like, oh, that team should be. So much better, but then you think, well, they kind of traded off by losing people like Drake and and some other people. It's like they really are they any better? I mean, JJ Watt is is potentially really good, but can he stay healthy? Um, you know, it's it's kind of a weird thing they've done there because they they've acquired some really good potentially really good players, and they've lost some potentially really good players. So it's kind of almost kind of a wash in a way. Um, the the Forty Nineers are going to get everybody back defensively so that's going to make a difference there or most of them anyway some of them have left in free agency i don't know it's kind of nfc west just 
man, it's just like a, you know, you take one of those teams and put them in a most other divisions in the NFL and they probably finish one or two and the NFC West, you can have a good team that finishes last with six wins because of the division they're in. Exactly. You know, JJ Watt might be one of those guys that makes other people better. You know, when he's in there, um, he's going to, he's going to require some attention. And like you say, if he, if he can stay healthy, he's, (laughs) <laughs> paid a lot of money for him, so they better hope he can stay healthy. Yeah, hundred percent. So some potential free agent signings. I mean, the the Seahawks are getting to that part where they're pretty much set. They only have a few needs, but you know, Richard Sherman's out there. We bantered that about. I don't know how realistic that is. There's still the a, a lot of people still have Antonio Brown possibly coming to Seattle for one year deal because Russell seems to want him, which. You know, on the field, Brown is still a good player, and he would should work really well off Lockett and Metcalf. Josh Gordon, if he ever is actually reinstated and can play, would be a great fit at number three. Any any potential free agents, or is there a posi- position that you view where the Seahawks really still need an upgrade? I'd say at center, you could use an upgrade. I don't know that that's going to happen, but... Um... You need another. I think you need a third wide receiver, and I'd, I'd rather. I, I'd love to see Josh Gordon if, if he can get eligible and actually, you know, reinstate and actually be able to play. He's, I just, I'd love to see that guy. I'd like to see him over Antonio Brown. You know, is, is Antonio Brown the guy? I don't know. Wilson likes him, but I don't, I don't really know. I mean, he's a, he's a good player, but you know, he's got some other issues going on, so. But if they can get if, if Josh Gordon was available and they could get him actually on the roster and, and in camp, I'd love to see that. Do you think they need to add another cornerback? Or do you think they could be set if they get Dunbar back and they'd have Witherspoon, Dunbar, Flowers, and Reed basically as your outside corners anyway? Yeah, they need another cornerback. I mean, it's Dunbar. I'd rather see Sherman, but that's just a more of a personal personal thing than anything but yeah i mean dunbar if you get to, but you do need one more i think so what do you think about the 17 game schedule because the seahawks are going to have to travel i guess to pittsburgh to play the steelers so their schedule gets i mean they are at the you know they're won their division so they have a tougher schedule but 17 just i mean i know it was a trade-off with the players association players union but 17 is just a weird number it's always nice to have even numbers because you get into those odd numbers and it's like tiebreakers become ridiculous but what what do you think yeah i'd rather not play pittsburgh because it'll probably be a 10 a.m game and and you know i just i don't know i don't i don't like that as the the last game of the season if there's something on the line and you know we got to play big band that's just, i just don't I, don't I don't i'd rather have a um a less dominant team to play week 17 than I'd rather play somebody in my own division than Pittsburgh Steelers. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. It is interesting. I'm 17 games. I don't know. It's, it's funny because people are like, Oh, now there's only going to be three, three uh, preseason games. Who cares? Who plays in preseason anyway? I don't care if there's one less. There could be two preseason games and still have a 16-game schedule. It wouldn't matter to me. It's the same thing. How many were there last year? Exactly. <laughs> Zero. Nobody missed them. Exactly. Unless that was the time where, like, oh, Brian Schottenheimer is going to f- 
Hey, you know, he's going to go into the season. Nobody's going to know what he's doing, and they're great. But where they had, had those preseason games, maybe everybody would have been like, oh, this is what Schottenheimer's going to do, and they would have stunk at the beginning of the season. That's, that's kind of a joke. But it is kind of weird how the defenses took so long to catch up to the offenses at the beginning of the season. And then by the end of the year, we were like, oh, you know, defense still winning championships like the Buccaneers. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it'll be... You know, whatever happens after this uh, recording of this podcast is over will be interesting because Seahawks are going to do something that we aren't going to be able to comment on for a week because that seems to be the M.O. They brought back their whole entire offensive line, basically, as far as backups. Um, So, I mean, they're set. I mean, there's so many of those positions. Of course, they'll work out different stuff with draft picks and stuff going into the season. But basically, the roster is pretty much set unless something weird happens like KJ Wright coming back or whatever, but even then, who knows? But um, that's our show. As always, Kevin has the final two words. Go Hawks! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.